Good morning. There's a fella, and he goes out and buys him a brand new BMW. It's a gorgeous car, convertible, all the bells and whistles. And he's going out driving in his brand new BMW, and he loses control of his car, and the car plummets off a cliff. However, he jumps out, but he loses his left arm. And he's looking over the cliff and seeing his car being burned. And he looks at it and he goes, oh no, my car, my car, my car. And a guy runs up to him and he says, how can you be crying about your car when you lost your left arm? He says, oh no, my Rolex, my Rolex, my Rolex. Well, this morning's message is taken out of Haggai, and it's about priorities, specifically misplaced priorities. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Haggai. It's in the latter part of the Old Testament. If you get to the New Testament, back up three books, and there you are. Now, we don't know a lot about Haggai. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything about his family background. We don't know anything about his personal life. We don't know how, how he was called in the ministry, why he was called in the ministry, when he was called in the ministry. But evidently, he was an older man when God gave him these words of prophecy. You see, years earlier in 586 B.C., when Haggai was just a, a little boy, the Babylonians came in, they conquered Judah, and took them away in captivity and evidently as a young little boy Haggai was taken into captivity along with his family and his friends and the rest of the Jewish people can you imagine how this young little boy felt being taken away into captivity seeing the city in ruins, seeing his home in ruins, seeing the temple of God being destroyed by fire. Well, there he goes into captivity for a period of 70 years. For 70 years, he dreamed about maybe one day coming back to Jerusalem coming back home, and being able to rebuild that city and rebuild the temple of God. Well, that day finally arrives when they are able to return, but if you study history, you'll realize that just a small group of people decided to go back and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city. The rest of the Jewish people were comfortable with their lifestyles in captivity. Just a small remnant decided to go. Well, the remnant returns with great enthusiasm, with great excitement. They begin to build the temple of God. They complete the foundation. But then they forget their purpose. They lose their priorities. They face outside opposition. They begin to have an apathetic 
attitude and the project comes to complete halt. For 15 years, the temple foundation sits and the foundation becomes overgrown with weeds and debris. Now you've got to understand something. These were good people. They weren't bad people. These were God's faithful few. This was the remnant that decided to go back and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city. They were good people. They just got their priorities rearranged. They were the right people in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. Their priorities are simply out of kilter. I consider you, this congregation, God's remnant. You're God's faithful few. How important and how wonderful you are. You're not, by, you're not here by accident. Not one of you. You are here because God wants you to be here. You're the right people, in the right place, at the right time, for the right purpose. But yet, even God's good people, God's remnant, sometimes get their priorities out of order. Today, I'm going to share with you three truths from the book of Haggai on how to deal with your priorities. Truth number one, recognize when your priorities are out of order. Verse two, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, the temple of God. Now, you got to keep in mind, it's been 15 years. God's work had been ignored for 15 years. For 15 years, they turned their attention to their own interests, their own pleasures, their own desires, and their own personal priorities. Do you know another name for that? It's called selfishness. You know, what's so amazing when I read this verse, it says, God said these things. People say, well, you see, God hears the heart. When we hear what people are saying, we hear their voice. We hear their speech, right? When God hears what people are saying, he hears their heart. And see, what their speech was saying was, the time is not come. But their hearts were saying, it's just not a convenient time because the Lord's work is not a priority. Now, there's a bit of a clue in our text to the nature of their misplaced priority. Verse 3, then the word of God came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? You know, God didn't have an issue with the fact that they needed to put a roof over their head. God was upset because the houses they were building were paneled houses. 
This implies that they were just simply too busy building their fancy upscale homes to build the Lord's temple. Or either they wanted to delay the project because they didn't have the time or the money to build their fancy homes and the temple at the same time. Their priorities are out of order. Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch was one of the most successful men in America. Peter Lynch managed the most successful equity fund in the world, Magellan. He managed it for 13 years. Time magazine called him the number one money manager in the nation. In the world's eyes, Peter Lynch was a very successful man. But it came with a price. Listen to what Lynch says. As much as I enjoyed managing a portfolio the size of the GNP of Ecuador, I miss being at home to watch the children grow up. They changed fast. They almost had to introduce themselves to me every weekend. I was spending more time with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Sally Mae than I spent with them. When you start to confuse Freddie Mac, Sally Mae, and Fannie Mae with members of your family, and you can remember 2,000 stock symbols and forget your children's birthdays, there's a good chance you become too wrapped up in your work. In 1989, I was celebrating my 46th birthday with my wife, Carolyn, my daughters, Mary, Annie, and Beth. In the middle of the party, I had a revelation. I remembered that my father had died when he was 46 years old. You start to feel mortal when you realize you're only going to exist for a little while, whereas you're going to be dead for a long time. You start wishing you'd seen more school plays and afternoon soccer games. You remind yourself that nobody on his deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. You see, the issue is not whether you have a nice house or not. The issue is not whether you make a lot of money or not. The issue is when you place important things above more important things. No time and money for God's house when you've got plenty of time and money for everything else. That's a misplaced priority. When you have no time for your family, but yet you've got plenty of time at the office, that's a misplaced priority. When you're willing to give up your arm for a watch, that's a misplaced priority. So what's important to you? What occupies your time? What occupies your money? Who and what are you neglecting? Who and what need to be a priority in your life. I want everyone to picture with me. You're in your car and you're driving along. You're on a rural highway so there's not a car around you and you're just driving. Mile after mile after mile after mile. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about, well, I hope I shoot a 76 today on the golf course. Are you thinking about hobbies? You may be thinking about your job. 
You might be thinking, what if I had a million dollars? Whatever you're thinking about at that particular moment, that's a priority in your life. Another exercise I'd like you to do is go through your checkbook. Go through your bank statement. If you've got receipt after receipt after receipt for Golden Hills, Lexington Country Club, or Cobblestones, golf may be a priority for you. Or if you've got receipt, receipt, receipt from Columbiana Center, shopping may be a priority for you. Is there somebody here that have their priorities out of order? You placed the Lord on the back burner. There was a time in your life when, when you had a passion to serve the Lord. You had a desire to serve the Lord, but now it's just not a good time. <laughs> we come up with all kinds of excuses. When it rains, hey, the weather's just too bad to come to church. Right? But yet you can go to Columbiana Center and stroll around. In fact, the malls get busier when it rains. You say the services are just, man, they're just way too long. But yet you can go to Columbiana Grand and watch a two-hour movie and even watch 30 minutes worth of previews. Or you could go to a Carolina or Clemson football game. 75,000 screaming fans every single Saturday for a three and a half hour game. But the service is just too long. It's all about your priorities. There's a good reason we should get our priorities in order. And that's the second truth. God will not bless misplaced priorities. Look at verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put clothes, you put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. What God's basically saying here is this. You are working harder and harder and harder with less and less satisfaction. He is saying you're working harder and harder and harder to make money. But the money doesn't seem to go very far. He says you're eating, eating, and eating, but you're still hungry. You're drinking, 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 and you're still thirsty. You're putting clothes on top of clothes, on top of clothes, but yet you're still cold. He says you're earning wages and you're taking those wages and you put it in a bag but the bag has holes in it and you have no idea where your money went. That's what happens when your priorities are out of order. Pressures, expectations, demands, tasks, a line outside your office door all competing for your time. Do this, do that, call them. It seems like everybody wants something from us. Your family, your friends, your job, your hobbies, and yes, even Northside. Life gets in the way. You place God 
on the back burner. And it leads to where you're just not satisfied anymore. You're not fulfilled anymore. Does that sound familiar? Interestingly enough, God pointed out that it was because of their misplaced priorities that God was not going to bless them anymore. Verse 9, you expected much, but you see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains in ruin, while each of you is too busy with your own house. Therefore, because of the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on the labor of your hands. Now, I'm not prepared to tell you that whenever your life gets rough, whenever your life gets difficult, that it's a sign of misplaced priorities and God will not bless you anymore. But God made no bones about pointing out the fact that it was because their priorities were out of order that he chose not to bless these people. Now, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful not to turn giving to God and serving God into a business arrangement. If I give to God and if I serve God, then I expect God to give me something in return. Our obedience should be the evidence of our love for Jesus Christ and our faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want to get emails this week saying that I am preaching a prosperity gospel, because I'm not. I'm not teaching a health and wealth gospel, because I'm not. God never made a prosperity covenant with his church. In fact, if you go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is very first statement Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 he says this blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven R.J. Letourneau said this if you give because it pays it won't pay are your priorities in order is God withholding blessings from you? Is God trying to get your attention? Arlie Russell Hochschild, she wrote a book entitled, When Work Becomes Home and Home Becomes the Work. She researched several Fortune 500 companies and she found a surprising trend. Despite family-friendly work policies in the office people are spending more time in the office than less time in the office in fact over the last two decades people are spending an average of a hundred and sixty four more hours a month in the office and they decrease their vacation times by fourteen percent let me read what she says Couples, young couples, I, I, I really encourage you to listen to this carefully. She writes, Americans are not working overtime because of money or fear of layoff. Instead, the average worker doesn't mind that the work is eroding away at home. 
there's been a reversal between home and work. Thanks to 20th century concepts such as company spirit and loyalty, the workplace is becoming increasingly cozy and comfortable, while the home with its dirty diapers, dirty dishes, and dirty divorce is becoming increasingly harried and hectic. One interviewee tells her, I came to work to relax. A major finding was the home and family life had become like work to the parents. Meanwhile, work is a far more inviting place than it used to be. We often imagine the worker as a cog in a machine or just a number, but modern management philosophies are geared toward empowering the worker and making him or her feel appreciated. That's all good. The downside is the family cannot compete with the workplace. It's difficult for God to bless the home of a person that places their work over their family. St. Augustine of Hippo said this, Christ is not valued at all if he is not valued above all. The third truth, restore priorities to their proper place. Verse 12, the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of God or the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Now God was gracious to his people. When they realized the error of their ways and they rearranged some of their priorities, God began to bless them again. What that means is that God will bless you again it's not too late there is hope how many of you guys have ever seen a lion tamer on tv or in a circus i've often wondered when a lion tamer walks into the cage he has several tools with him have you ever noticed this he carries a, a firearm and he carries a whip right but then he also carries something else Anybody know what that something else is? A, a stool? Have you ever noticed that? He brings a stool in there. In fact, they say that the most important tool he brings into the, to the cage is the stool. He says what he does is he takes that stool and he, he thrusts it at the lion. And what happens, that lion gets confused because it tries to focus on all four of those legs at the same time. And the lion becomes confused in, in a sense a paralysis sets in he becomes tame and he becomes weak and he becomes disabled because his attention is fragmented same with us if we try to focus on four legs on a stool paralysis sets in we become tame we become weak we become disabled but here's the deal your priorities are not legs on a stool they're not equal so we've got to organize our priorities in order of importance so that we can regain perspective. When the people got it right, God began to bless them again. Verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. And I love this. I am with you declares the Lord. Say that with me. I am with you. I am with you. What a promise. I am with you. 
you've taken a job and you know that you're in the center of the Lord's will, but you're overwhelmed. And you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I cannot do this job. I need you. And the Lord says, I'm right here. I am always with you. You've decided to volunteer in our preschool ministry. And so you go work in the preschool ministry and you, you uh, realize very quickly that these little babies smell. Lord, I cannot do this alone. God says, you don't have to. I am with you. <laughs> Let me just pause here for a second. If you serve in the children's ministry or preschool ministry, I say thank you. Did you realize that by you going in and, and serving our preschool, serving our children, you're allowing a young couple to come into the service and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? There may be people, there may be people in heaven because of your sacrificial service. Let me just say thank you to you guys. Amen. Hey, same way with our students. You say, Lord, I'm going to go serve in our student ministry. And you realize, these kids are crazy. Lord, I definitely cannot do this alone. God says, you don't have to. I am with you always. Greeters, I am with you always. You want to tell your neighbor or a co-worker or a friend about Jesus Christ. You say, that, that scares me to death. Lord, I cannot do that alone. The Lord says, uh-uh, you're not alone. Based on God's word, I am with you always. August 18th, 1990. I married my best friend. Lord, I don't know how to be a husband. Lord, I need you. Help. God said, I am with you. November 2nd, 1992, God blessed us with a little boy holding him and looking at his little fingers, his little toes, big brown eyes. Changed to blue, but in fact, I did a baby dedication yesterday here at the, the altar. You're just holding a little baby. I said, God, I don't know how to be a daddy. I need you. God said, I'm with you. August 4th, 1995. God gave us a little girl. I'm an overprotective daddy. God, what were you thinking? I know I can't do this. I am with you. Always. Always. God's with you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take your life. Take your life and everything in your life. All your activities, all your priorities, anything that you can think of. I want you to take your life. And I want you to take everything in it. And I want you to divide it up in three separate categories. And each of the three categories are going to be represented by different materials. Category number one is going to be represented by rubber. 
Category two, metal. Category three, glass. Are you with me? All right. Things in the rubber category. If you drop them, they bounce right back up. No harm, no foul. I love sports. If I happen to miss the Braves playing the Marlins today at 135, no big deal. If I happen to miss a Carolina football game on a Saturday, no big deal. My marriage will not falter. My spiritual life will not falter. No harm, no foul. Things in the metal category. If I drop one of these, it makes a lot of noise. But you can recover. If I miss a meeting at work, I'll get the cliff notes. Make a little noise, I can recover. If you forget to, to check the balance in your bank account, the bank's going to notify you and say, guess what? You spent more money than what you got, and they're going to charge you a fee. It'll make a little noise, but you can recover, right? The third category, glass. If I drop one of these, that glass is going to shatter. It'll never be the same. Now, you may get down on your knees, and you may pick up that glass. You may try to glue it back together, but you're going to miss some pieces, and it'll never look the same. You can never put any water in it. It'll never be used the same. It will forever be different. The thing is, you're the only person that knows what's in that glass category. You're the only one that knows what cannot be dropped. But I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that it has to do with relationships. God first, then your spouse, your husband, your wife, your children, your family, and then maybe, maybe your job and your hobbies are way down here. I want to leave you with a promise. In fact, I pray that it's more than a, just a promise. I pray that it grabs a hold of your heart. I'm going to share a verse that I absolutely love. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I found that putting God first, instead of a bag of holes, I found that in his mysterious, miraculous ways, that he has a way of making things go a little bit further. Has a way of seeing that our obligations are met. Mm, and probably even having a way of seeing that we have a few extras along the way. But it comes down to priorities. Seek first God's business. His righteousness. Get your priorities in order. And all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Father, thank you for your word. 
Father, thank you for fresh starts, new beginnings. And Father God, as we talk about our priorities, Father, we know it's not too late. Father God, forgive us where we've gotten our priorities out of order. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. And Father, I know that in a, that in a, a room this size, there's probably people that when I say put Christ first in their life, they may not be sure about their relationship with Christ, may not even told about Christ. Father, to have that relationship with Christ is it's very simple. If you feel Jesus Christ tugging at your heart, if you know there's a void in your life, if you know that you're missing something, it's pretty simple. All you have to do is place your trust and your hope in the one that loves you the most. You've got to, to admit that you're a sinner. The Bible's very, very clear that for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Ask for forgiveness. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, sacrificed his life for your sins, but rose three days later. We worship a risen God. And you've got to commit your life to Christ. You've got to invite him into your life. It's pretty simple. In fact, if there's someone here that, that, that feels that they have that emptiness in their life, emptiness in their heart, all they have to do is just repeat this simple prayer silently, silently to themselves. We would not want to embarrass anybody here this morning. Just simply say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I do believe that you died on a cross for me. You rose three days later. God, I beg you to come into my life, come into my heart. I want to put you first in my life. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible is very, very clear. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Welcome to God's family. There may be others in here that says, you know, I've just got life, life's gotten in the way. I've got my priorities out of order. You know, I'm just so busy at work and trying to make ends meet and I'm trying to climb that ladder for success just to realize the ladder's on the wrong building. God, forgive me. God, I need to put you first in my life. I need to put my, my spouse second. I need to put my children ahead of my work, ahead of my hobbies. Forgive me, Lord. The altar is going to be open in just a few minutes. You may need a fresh start. If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ for the very first time, I'll be at the front. Pastor Steve will be at the front. You want us to pray with you? If you want to come to the altar and just confess before the Lord, things aren't right. Lord, i got to put you first in my life. The altar's open. You and your spouse may want to come up together. You and your family may want to come up together and just pray, Lord, forgive me. Oh, but it's never too late.
We love you, Father. And thank you for loving us unconditionally. It's in Jesus' name I pray.